Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 262 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we're talking to Scott Funston, your U23 Pan American and also U.S. National Champion, races for Blue Competition Cycles presented by Build. Good conversation with Scott. We're going to get right into that. But before we do, Michael, how's it going? Well, hello, Cyclocross friends. I know. I'm just as bummed as you that the CX season is over. But I will tell you this. I am excited for the next best thing, and that is weeknight group ride season. Shout out Tuesday Loops. If you're like me, and you sort of hibernated most of this winter, watching a lot more bike racing than you did riding your bike, you're kind of in a panic training mode, trying to get in some of those intervals just so you don't get absolutely shelled on the first group ride. You'll probably get dropped, but you at least want to make it to the halfway turnaround, right? Well, I'll tell you what I've been using lately to get ready for group ride season, and that is my Hammerhead Crew 2. One of my favorite things on this bike computer is that when you're out there, you're grinding out those watts, you're doing those VO2 intervals, you've got the big, beautiful color map guiding you on your route and let's say you hit lap and you're done and you're curious how good was that interval well guess what just like your smartphone you can swipe up to look at all your past intervals you can look back at the interval you just did you can go back to the one before that you can even go back to the very first one you did you have all that data accessible to you just one motion swipe up You can check out your speed, you can check out your power, your heart rate, your elevation. All that is accessible at your fingertips while you're still doing your ride. For a limited time, our listeners can get a free custom color kit and an exclusive premium water bottle with the purchase of a Hammerhead Crew 2. Visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code CXRADIO at checkout to get yours today. See you on the group ride. Cyclocross friends. Thanks, Michael. And also thanks to Hammerhead for continuing to support CX Radio and also the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network, which you can find out more at WideAnglePodium.com. Go check out all of the shows. Uh, crit season is starting up. Go uh, tune into Criterium Nation. You got the uh, eSports World Championship that just happened. So check out Nowhere Fast and become a member wideanglepodium.com also for this podcast head on over to Apple Podcasts leave us a review five star uh, rating and a review it really helps a lot okay it's episode 262 of Cyclocross Radio we're talking to Scott Funston and we're doing that right now Scott, how you doing? Doing pretty well. It's been a casual week, not too crazy. I feel like the people that I've been talking to one-on-one recently are all kind of like at the end of their careers in cycling are done. So this is this is a good change 
to get to get somebody on the other the other end of it get get somebody just kind of like getting into the the meat of their of their cycle would you call it a cycling career that's a tough question <laughs> i would say i'm hitting you with the hard ones first no softball yeah yeah i mean i think it's on the cusp of becoming your career i think um before this year it was it was pretty much a glorified hobby and i think this year has i think it showed me that i have the potential to make it a career um but i'm not sure i'd quite call it a career yet love it good answer all right now let's go to the softballs so um originally from washington right yep where seattle area or i yeah i call it seattle area um the way i describe it if you've ever been to seattle and then you've looked at mount rainier i'm about halfway in between there okay so like so it's small town uh, like where is it um it's not quite suburb of seattle but not really a small town either it's probably it's like an hour from seattle 40 minutes from tacoma it's kind of it's right at the base of the foothills it's tucked in so um great mountain biking and yeah it's it's pretty normal like western washington town i'd say and it looks like cycling wise, you've been doing this a long time. I mean, just, I just like perusing some results. You were like racing at age 10, if not before that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I started BMX when I was six and got like kind of transitioned to the, the cross country mountain bike and cycle cross, like around nine, 10. And I've just been loving that. So I've kept doing it. How did you get into to BMX? Was it a family thing or other just people around there? The the sort of the culture of the area. Uh, my dad, he he's a or he still rides mountain bikes and has cross bike, but he like raced Cat Three and stuff. And so he was you know part of the sport and knew about it. And he's he's the one that started me in BMX just because it's such a great entry point for kids playing any other sports at that time or even growing up or was it all bikes from like go let's see at that point in time i was probably still playing soccer uh well i think i think i tried basketball and baseball and i just didn't vibe with those don't have any hand-eye coordination and hand-foot coordination isn't that great at soccer either but i could run pretty fast and so i was kind of okay that when did you really like catch the the racing bug? Was it from was it from BMX and just? I mean, we we've seen we've seen people at all levels. I mean, you got like Zdenek Stebar who started as a BMX racer. I mean, it's it, it's such a good entry point, but I don't think we see it. You know, maybe even Blevins here, but you know, there there's only it's not like everybody starting in in BMX, but it seems like something that is such a great a, a great starting point for cycling and then moving into other disciplines. Yeah, I think it, it gives you a, a great um, base to go off of. Um, I think, I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but I, I really think it helps with like cyclocross starts, I think. Um, yeah, no, let's talk. Uh, believe me, people listening to this, that's the kind of stuff that they want to nerd out on. And especially since we, we see people, you know, um, coming from North America who may may have trouble with 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 that part of their game where they're really strong yeah. elsewhere but maybe the starts isn't it so what is is that something that you feel like is a strength and what is it that that bmx did for that yeah i mean i think uh so bmx you start at the top of a what 20 30 foot hill 
and you pedal, you sprint down a hill into a jump. Like that makes a cycle cross start down a flat piece of pavement look like nothing. Like if you're doing that eight wide and you got two dudes next to you, like granted when I'm eight years old, I'm not hitting the 20 foot jump and jumping like you're seeing in the Olympics or anything like that. But still like just getting in that mindset where, uh, you learn to like kind of trust the people next to you and just shoot the holes. I think, I think that's one of the biggest things I think North Americans miss is just, you have to like kind of anticipate the holes and like be like, as soon as they open, you got to go. And I think at worlds, I was able to do that. And that was kind of the reason I was, I didn't have an amazing, amazing start, but I had a good one from the second row. Yeah. It's, it's like this aggressiveness, but in a good, in a good way, it's, it's like not, not seeking yeah. that ground and be, and feeling comfortable with it. Right. And if there's contact, yeah. there's contact and just continuing to go. Yeah. I've only ever caused like once one crash at the start. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I'd say that of the hundreds of races I've done, I've, I've found a, a good level of aggressiveness. <laughs> and, and do you think, you know, not to jump at, well, yes, to jump ahead, but you know, you had some top 10 finishes in your European trip. Do you think, do you think that was part of it? Cause I know that's what a lot of people going over there struggle with just the, the aggressiveness and the, the bodying up and all the physical contact that happens in those first couple seconds to minutes of a race. And that it seems like you weren't bothered by that. Yeah, no, it's, it's something I'm used to. And I think, I think starting second row in the pro fields at the U S like it's maybe not quite, quite the same level, but I mean, you got to be aggressive in those. Like you, I, I was second row most year trying, trying to make that lead group or that like second chase group. And that means you have to have a good start. And so, um, and like some of the times I didn't, like, I think both days of charm, I didn't have a good start and I wound up in that third group. And so it's, yeah, I think I've found a reasonably successful. It's not every time, you know, it's, it's a start. There's a lot of variables. Um, but I'd say in general, I can, at least hold position, if not normally gain some spots, which is awesome. It's, it's free advantage. I'd say. I, I love this. Cause we're just, we're just going to talk <laughs> tactics here for a little bit. So, so what, what, what is like the, it seems like the difference is like, how, how long do you have to stay almost redlining it at a start of a race? Let's even just talk about, you know, those, those C ones in the U S where you're there versus the effort that you have to make, if you miss it, I mean, what's, what's the part until, you know, you're, you're with, so this year you're with like Curtis and Carrie and those guys where you're like, okay, I have to hang on until X, um, versus, mm-hmm. you know, what is, what is it that you, you, if you miss that, then what are you in for, for the rest of the race? Yeah, it's, it, it'll change your race. Um, really rad day two. I was feeling good and that start was weird. I'm not a fan of that start. It is you can fit about five dudes on the pavement in the center. And then there's like dirt on the sides. And so everyone just like funnels into the center. And I was just like, I don't know. I was, I was like, I feel like it should be either dirt all the way across or asphalt. I was not a fan of the like half and half and like, but anyways, like I, I didn't have a great start. I was whatever mid teens or something from the second row. And then I made some passes on the first lap, but I missed the group that had what like McGill. I think that was that weekend, Eric and Curtis were on another level and they just shot off the front and it was like McGill, um, Gage, Hyde was in there, Lance, Tobin, Brandon. I think those guys were 
kind of the chase group. And I, I think Gage eventually got away from them. But I mean, I was within 10 seconds of that group for 35 or 40 minutes of that race. And I finally got on with like three to go. And I was able to beat, um, I think McGill faded a little bit and I had a good battle with Lance and I think Hyde faded. But I mean, I burned so many matches to get onto that group. I, I really think I had a chance to, to battle. I think like Tobin and Brandon were battling for fourth and it would have been really awesome to be with those guys. But instead I was, um, just fighting to get on that wheel. And I, I don't know, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but you know, that 10 seconds at that speed is, it's a lot, at, at least for where I'm at. You know, if, if I had Eric's power, I could just twist the throttle for a quarter lap and be right there. But when we're all so close, it's, it makes it hard. Talk, talking about Eric, I was looking back results wise. I, I, I just say that because Tacoma, he won U23 and you were third, right? Yep. Yeah. And that, so that was, you were what, like, 1920 what i'm gonna lose years here how old were you for that race i was i was second year u23 right whatever that puts me as so 20 racing age yeah just just to make the point that it's kind of i I look at this and i look at your age group and i guess it's the other ones as well but just because it's that small u23 just seems like this this small time that you you kind of raced once when you were you know, year one, year two, and then this year is like your final year. And that's the, you know, that's, I I feel like the, the pandemic really affected this class, your class of, of bike racers in North America coming up, at least for, for cyclocross, just because it's such a developmental time. I think you guys are getting so much stronger and you're looking from that. And then you come out here and you're, you know, you're top of the class here when we're coming into nationals this year. I mean, it's obviously it's a bummer. I would have loved yeah. to have battled Caleb as I think me and Caleb would have been the two favorites and maybe. Yeah. We should mention Caleb in that Tacoma. He was second, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, I think him losing that last year, U23 to go for that U23 title. I think it would have been a good battle between me and him. Uh, Strohmeyer could have been then there and yeah, it's, it's hard. I know thinking back to when I was a junior or that first, second year, U23, we had guys like Ben Gomez and Lane Maher were who we've lost through the pandemic, which could have been other things. I haven't actually had a direct conversation with like those two guys. I think there was a few others, Alex Morton, those three are the big three that like, um, you know, I think, I don't know, they might've fallen out of the sport with or without the pandemic, but it certainly doesn't make it easier when there's a whole year with no racing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Um, all right. I know I'm all over the place, but I want to, I want to get back to Washington for a minute. So rad, you grew up on that, in that program, right? Yes. Yep. I think I joined when I was like 12 or 13. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, it's such a, it's such a storied program for, for us cycling. Yeah. It's a great program. Jim does a, or did a great job running it. It's, it's kind of still around, but it's, it's kind of merged with the team and it's not, not, it's, it's, I, unfortunately I say it's a shell of its former self. So yeah, Jim Brown did a great job running with it. And I was lucky to have, um, this is kind of off topic again, but the, the famous Austin nationals, uh, I was a first year 15, 16 and rad racing put 
four riders in the top 10. Um, and obviously super muddy year plays right into all the Washington guys hands. But I mean, those were the, that was back when, uh, nationals was in January. And so we had, we had all through December, we'd meet at some person's house and we'd train Saturday and then we'd spend the night and train Sunday. Like that was kind of what that program was like. Cause we were spread out, um, what, two, two hours apart between families and such. So it wasn't maybe the BJC vibe where it's every weekend or every weekday, they've got a training session, but every week we'd get together and we really liked the phrase iron sharpens iron, just young juniors out there trying to rip each other's legs off in like the threes or one twos. And yeah, I think it was a really successful program and helped me a lot. And then, and then that whole, Pacific Northwest scene with, with where you were at in Washington and Oregon as, as well. Um, I, I'm, I know you would probably consider them inferior, but, uh, um, <laughs> but just, just the, just, you know, seeing it and, and following that scene for such a long time. And it, it, it's, it's almost a different vibe than, than the rest of the country. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if it's the just the weather and the mud and everything, but at at the top end of it, it seems like the people coming out of there it's a little tougher. And and that's sort of when you're saying that you know iron on iron that's that's sort of th- that's the kind of thing I would expect because it it seems like it's it's really just no complaining and getting out there and just racing hard in the kind of the worst conditions you can find. Yeah, I mean if. If you're a fair weather rider in Washington, good luck getting a hundred, a little over a hundred days in. Like, I mean, just, yeah, I grew, I grew up riding mountain bikes and cross bikes in the rain. Like there was no way around it from October through <laughs> April, basically. Like it was, it was going to be at least somewhat muddy probably 75% of the time you got on a bike, like in the mid Atlantic, when you're, when you want to go ride trails, you know, and I know this happens in other places in the East coast. And if it's been raining, the, the rule pretty much is stay the hell off the trails because people yep. don't, you want, you ruin the trails. Does that sort of strike you as odd? So I live in grand junction where we have clay. <laughs> right. And so I have gotten used to that, um, that way of life, but yeah, it was, it was a bit of adjusting. Like, Oh, it hasn't rained in a week. What do you mean? Like trails are, should be, should be awesome. Like, no, you're, you're going to go 20 feet and your bike is going to stop rolling. Right. Like. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just a whole different, a whole different world. Were you, when you were, uh, in rad racing, was, uh, Logan Owen around at all? Um, not in rad. I okay. think when I was, Oh, he say, was probably 13. already on. Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, when I was 13, 14, he was winning. Yeah. Cat one, two races. Um, like, so I think he was like a 17, 18 then. Um, did you, and, I mean, yeah, were you I mean, aware, did you know, I mean, was he somebody that, that whole community was looking up to like when you were in that position or did, did it just, or were you just doing your own thing or. I definitely, um, I was aware of him. I was aware he's won, you know, I was a 13, 14. I, I wanted to win nationals and I was like, Hey, that kid's won like every national since he was 12. Like, and so in that regard, yeah. Um, but I think I had, I never personally interacted with him. And so I, I had a lot more, um, I'd say like, I'm, he's kind of fallen out across a little bit, but like Aaron Bradford, 
that okay. is the name that comes up with like used to be kind of bigger into it and when single speed nationals was around he was always kind of he was like so i i grew up riding with his dad a lot um, him and my d- dad are really close and so like i'd say that was more of a role model and uh like steve fisher i don't know if that's a name that mm-hmm. any people know still but he he was hands-on with rad and stuff and so i've always kind of like um you know i've liked the people that i have interaction with i maybe less like to idolize like i mean obviously the matthew vanderpools and the wouts of the world like oh my god that's amazing but i kind of prefer to have that human connection with like people that i really look up to yeah i agree that's great uh any other uh we doing i get i think you were probably doing some mountain bike racing any road racing in there as well growing up minimal some crits uh rad racing used to host a junior only stage race um that was always in August. And so that was kind of like we'd hit mountain bike nationals and then could kind of carry that peak into that. So that was, that was the, the pinnacle of my, my road racing. And I run the crit in that like one year when I was 14 or something. And I was kind of stoked on that. Uh, yeah, not too much road racing. The road racing scene in Washington is pretty iffy. I don't know. Um, and also just when I was younger, I have 50, I had 50 miles of mountain bike trails two blocks from my house. And so I think my parents much preferred me to go hop on my mountain bike and go ride the the trails by myself. Like I was set loose as a 10 or 11 year old to go ride the trails by myself, but the road they were not so keen on at that age. Yeah. That's amazing. That's the kind of situation that not a lot of people have that, you know, it's, it, I, I think it's something you probably look back on going, Oh yeah, that was, that was actually pretty special. They had had access to that. Oh yeah. I'd, really love that and i mean grand junction i'm 15 minutes from the trails now pedal and i i guess i'm gonna move to boulder next year so i'm gonna be further away others that's gonna be hard i was about to say i don't want to move anywhere there's no trails but i guess next year maybe be a ways away (laughs) i would say are you doing more cyclocross racing than mountain bike racing right would you consider yourself a cyclocross racer first or mountain bike racer first where do you or do do you not make that definition I'm definitely a cross racer. I made that definition basically like the year of Tacoma, whatever that was, that 2019. Mm -hmm. That was before then I was, I was balancing it. I went to cross and mountain bike worlds in a year, which that was hard. I don't know how all these people do that like year in and year out. Like my cross season, like totally was like not so great the year after that. (laughs) Um, cause I was kind of, just coming off a mountain bike national straight into cross and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a full-time cross racer. I would call myself. Um, and unfortunately I think, uh, it's mainly just because I'm, I'm excited to race cross and U S mountain biking does not get me that stoked these days. It's just, is it the type of racing? Is it the lack of really as many events as there used to be? Is it just sort of this push towards more, endurance over maybe shorter like xco races yeah it's it's mainly the the courses in the u.s and the kind of somewhat lack of racing i would say there's just not i haven't raced the fayetteville course i've heard it's the best one in the u.s but the sohos and like looking at the um the wisconsin race and i mean i haven't liked the mountain bike nationals course since like 
Pennsylvania when I was like 13. Every other mountain bike nationals course, I've been like, there's been some that are better than others, but none of them just like get me stoked. I go to, I've raced with USAC um, and all the Canada Cup races and I ride those and I'm like, this is awesome. This is mountain biking. Like it's hard, technical. There's still climbing and stuff. It's not like I'm opposed to climbing. It's just like, I don't know. None of them get me that stoked to, to race. And I kind of want to race races that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Now you're going to have, you, 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 now I'm going to have to go back and look at my archives that, uh, Bear Creek nationals. That was the first, I worked as a photographer for, uh, USA cycling for that race. That was like my first, <laughs> first time working for them. So I'm sure I have some, uh, some photos of you out there, uh, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That one was like not at elevation, Yeah, which I guess now I'm in Colorado, which isn't so bad, but still, I don't know. Not sure how keen I am on. See, you came you came from the right place for that because you you weren't unlike the folks from California and Colorado who all complained that there were rocks and roots and that wasn't real mountain biking. It was it yeah. was right up your alley for you. Yeah, exactly. I, I I ride the the California and some of the Colorado stuff, and I'm like, this isn't real mountain biking. <laughs> where where are the rock the rocks and roots? You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So so 2019, you sort of decide then that you're kind of in on cyclocross, but as you were saying, when we first started talking, it wasn't really till this season that you kind of all in and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, I don't, I don't see how, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what your expectations were, but looking at it on paper, it, it was a pretty phenomenal season. I don't know. I, you know, maybe, you know, what do you, what do you think when you look back and assess, assess how it went? No, it was, it was an amazing season. I, I set a lot of high goals and I hit almost all of them. I mean, I think, I think I was talking to, to Chris McGovern, who coaches me. And I, I think like the, the line I said was, I think about 75% of the races I finished, I was like, that was awesome. That, like I've met or exceeded expectations. And in bike racing, I think if you can do that in like 25% of the races, you like 25 to 50, like that's pretty good. And so yeah, there was, I'd say there was two races that I was stoked on to like one race that I was, I was not happy with. So I'd say, yeah, all around, it was a really good season. Um, I know I'll put it out. I mean, I think I've, I've put it out there before. I really wanted that top 10 at worlds and I'm a little dissatisfied that it didn't work out, but I mean, I, I rode hard. It just wasn't my course. I think, I think I had reasonably good legs. I don't think I had an amazing, but it, yeah, it just didn't pan out. And I have to look back at all the other success I had this year and just be stoked on that. Yeah. And so this was last year in U23, right? So into the elites for next year. Yep. Full-time elite. Yeah. Uh, just going back to, to this season, I, and you know, you mentioned McGovern, um, it, it was funny. I, I don't, I don't want to like blow up his spot, but I, I can tell you, I, I knew it was a good season for you because I think, I don't think I've seen him really outwardly as excited as he was with, with your successes, especially, you know, at, at nationals. I mean, it, I think that that was, that was something you could see that, that you sort of met his expectations, which was, was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a long process with Chris. I think, started when I was like 17 or 18. So it's, it's like year five or something now. And we've come a long ways and 
not not to throw Chris under the bus or anything, but I I we were just talking after Pan Am's like at dinner, and Grant said like McGovern had to leave the pit. Like he when we were when I was locked in that battle with Andrew and and Clark, like I think with a couple laps to go, like Chris literally couldn't watch anymore. So yeah, it's it's <laughs> cool to have a coach that invested, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's funny too with him because he uh yeah, we're just going to blow him up left and right cuz he want, he's <laughs> he's got that tough persona. So, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I think I I I I I find him an interesting one too because it's it's he seems to be really good at the psychological side of it as as on, on top of what he's doing whatever he's doing for you workouts wise or anything like that i i just feel like he's got such good experience racing and everything and and kind of building that i don't know if it's toughness but just kind of race readiness in in his riders i mean is that is that true did you find that with him is that something that that you guys were talking about yeah uh i'd say chris is really solid on the mental side of things He's, I know before Tacoma Nats, I was, I wasn't in the best place mentally. Um, I think it was only two or three weeks before I got third there and I, I got third in the collegiate race. So that was, that was a good weekend. He helped me through that. He had a resource that really helped me out, but also I'd say Grant Holicky has been really good on the, the mental race prep stuff too. He, he's getting a, a master's degree right now in sports psychology. So not to say me and Eric or his little experiments, but you know, he, he gets to apply, <laughs> he gets to learn Monday through Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like he's at an elite level cyclocross race with two athletes and we get to practice some of the stuff he's learning, which is awesome. Yeah. And he was, he was a big part of that blue build team this year. Can you just give me a little rundown on that and how, cause it's, this is something that Eric put together right this program and then how did you get associated with it yeah it's it's eric's um program his name's on the credit card which is kind of crazy that he can be i think i made a, a post once where i i joked that eric is my mechanic my travel agent my personal chef and he goes out and like does the pan am nationals double i he's he's got he's doing a lot and he does it pretty well um but i think that's the theme of the team i think all of us do a lot sunny works full-time grant's basically a volunteer i'm going to school full-time um but yeah more back to the team it's it's eric's thing grant stepped in to um help and it kind of dates back to the the max chance uh denzel stevenson and actually ian mcpherson was kind of like that was like the original gang that set it up and it's kind of transitioned through riders and i don't know the full story it's my first year but it's it, they've had a long history and pretty successful one i'd say yeah like this year just just the the success of you know we look at we can lament the the lack of teams in u.s cyclocross it's it's definitely a change from what it was even when you started racing to what it is now when you had these big programs out there with multiple riders to something that you know is is a lot more low key, a lot more privateers out there. So having a program like this, even you know what I'm going to assume is a shoestring budget, just out there kind of making it work the best you can, is is kind of amazing, kind of great that that 
for the success that that team had overall. I mean, just from top to bottom. Yeah, it's it's tight budget. Um, I don't look at spreadsheets or anything, but yeah, we're we're pretty tight. We're lucky to have. I mean, we had uh, Ben Frederick driving the the Blue Stages van and or trailer around to the whatever that seven race block from Go Cross to uh, Kings was like. That was how we had a, a rider that we were helping. I think we were helping pitch for his stuff, but it's just stuff like that. It's it's a really small community effort. I mean, at Pan Am's, we took all the the Colorado, the Grant Elwoods, Jack Tanners, the kind of second tier guys that aren't on like a full program, but trying to race some UCI stuff. We helped them out throughout the year in exchange for a little cash. Like, yeah, we're not some amazing dialed super awesome setup but we have a good time and we have enough that we have the resources we need and pretty much nothing extra which honestly is a bit how i like it i'm not too into the super extra stuff like i need two maybe three bikes and a bunch of wheels and some kit and I'm pretty much ready to go <laughs> and some plane tickets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, looking, looking back, back on, on your season, what do you see as the highlights? Or is it going to be just the obvious ones or is there something else in there that, that you, that you really look on fondly as, as, as one of the races this year? Yeah. I mean, the nationals Pan Am's week was obviously a highlight to, to double up with that. We even raced some collision in there, which won the relay. Fortunately, I got second in that. Yeah, talk to me about Tyler Orschel, the Canadian coming down. I really wanted to get that. I haven't won a collegiate title, and the the coaches give me give me a hard time about that. They're like Scotty, because because I came in as a freshman and I lost to Caleb at uh, Louisville by like ten seconds or something, and it was like it was like a stupid crash on like the second to last lap that like he got away and I was, Oh, so you set those, you set those expectations early. <laughs> I set them early. Like they were, and like Brandon was like in the program back then. And so they were like, ah, oh, well, Brandon will probably win and we'll see how like Scotty could be like top five or something. And I just like, again, it was one of those perfect days where it's just like ton of mud. And I just coming from Washington was just like, like a fish in water just going. So yeah, it was, it was a bummer to get second there. Orschel just had a had a good day and I had a bit of an off day and then not to make excuses but I think it would have been a really good battle if I would have had a, a little better day I, I that was one of those days we got like two laps in and I was like I mean I I can hang but I, I'm missing that little bit and then crashed on the stairs and dropped a chain and like did the thing where I like put it on and then like spun the crank and it like fell right off again and at any point in that race, are you, are you then thinking about the U23 race? You know, it does, does that come into play at all? Or are you just like, doesn't matter. I'm all in for this. Not really. I was pretty much trying to win. I think whatever, it was like a six lap race. The first three and a half or four laps, I was trying to win the race. And then the next lap or so I was battling Tyler Clark and I got away with him from him with like a lap to go. And so I was like, all right, we'll just bring it home. So no, nah, that was, that was a ways off. And I honestly, I raced well, the granted that would be the third race in like four days. So it's not quite the same, but I raced well tired. Well, it seemed like it. Cause you looked 
like you were almost pedaling effortlessly in that in in that um championship race for u23 i mean just it seemed like everything went right on that day yeah i'm i'm really proud of that day it would have been interesting to see how strohmeyer would have done without some of the mistakes and the i think he had some mechanicals like i don't know in the live feed you see him stop and fix his bars so i don't know if he did other stuff like that or what happened because he finally i think I think I talked to him and he said he finally got going on that last lap and like our, our lap times were comparable. So I definitely got some help, but yeah, that was, that was a day where stuff clicked. I, I was feeling good. Course was pretty good. I remember we came in the, uh, the first, the big one eighty before the sand and Daxton goes in and just gets all sideways. And I'm like, Oh, it must be slippery. And I immediately get all sideways right after him. So we get through the sand and I like go through pit one and I'm just like, drop the pressure, drop the pressure. Cause it was way slipperier than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, that was, that course was, I don't know. I remember riding it in like before the collegiate race when it was still bumpy and dry and rock hard. And I was like, I mean, they did what they could and it's like, okay. But yeah, when that got, when that got wet, it was, it was a proper cyclocross course. Yeah, that's for sure. For sure. So how do you, I mean, you're talking about going into pits and dropping your pressure. We hear about that a lot. And I just, it's that I, I take it. That's, that's just from experience, being able to, to know what your bike feels like, how it's handling. And, and so are you going down like one PSI? I mean, what's the, what's, what is the, what's the exercise there? And what are, what is, what are they doing for you in the pit when you're coming around for the next bike? And how do you know then that it's, it's, it's going okay. Yeah, I think that that one was just like down one. And it was because before the race, I'd kind of been between pressures. And I was like, eh, I'll start a little high. Just because what the, the junior men's race, they were racing files. And then like the U23 women's, they were on intermediates. And so I was like, well, I'll put the muds on. And I don't think I'll have to go super low. And then I was like, nope, it is properly slippery. We need as much traction as we can. So, and I, I maybe even could have gone lower, but I think, by the time I'd gotten into the groove on that, that pressure, I was just like, I was out front, like just keep, keep going. No need to change anything. And honestly, I think that might've been the only time I, I changed pressure mid race. Uh, one story I can tell is I came into a ball on the, the first lap and I, I flatted like coming on the start finish straight. And just before then my front brake had stopped working. So I came into the pits the first time on the second lap and I had to tell them that I no longer had a front brake and I had a rear flat while right and riding by. And I remember talking to to Chris Naba afterwards and I was like, did you understand everything? Because that was kind of a lot of info in like the two seconds while I'm passing by. And he's like, no dude, you did great. I was just like, no front brake, rear flat. And they, they, they got it and it was good. So that it's, and that's yeah. a, I mean, that's a race. What did you get? 10th or ninth? ninth. Okay. So yeah. when you're in that position, are you losing ground and then having to make it back up? I mean, how did that, how did that, unfortunately we don't get to see those races. So how did that play out? Yeah, I, I lost a little ground. I think I was, <laughs> I had a great start. Like Andrew took the whole shot there and then it was like Pim and then me or something. I was like third or fourth and I was rolling good. I think when my front brake went out, it was like at the top of the the big run up and you go down the hill and towards the finish. And I 
I was just like, well, we're going to do this with just a rear brake. Like we'll just hold the rear brake as hard as we can. But yeah, I was like fourth or fifth then. I think I was like with Cameron Mason and yeah, that was, that was a really great race. And I lost a little time on the flat and then I flatted again and like not really far from the pits, but I, I definitely felt like I lost some time. I might've been eighth if I didn't the flat of that second time. So yeah, I lost some ground, but that race was so muddy that riding the rear, <laughs> rear flat is not too big a disadvantage. <laughs> so are you still blue build still happening this coming season? Are you with the same, that team again for, for next year? Okay. That's the plan. Yep. Yep. We, we don't really do contracts, but I, so I haven't inked anything. Uh, maybe that'll change. Maybe we're going to get pro. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, that's the plan. Uh, me and Eric have kind of a, a mixed schedule that we're mixed surface schedule. I guess that's what people call it these days. Um, that we're still planning, but have mostly dialed in. So what is, is it like gravel stuff, uh, any mountain biking, just a little combination of things? What do you, it's kind of funny. Uh, Eric's Eric wants to get into the mountain bike stuff. And so I'm going to, I'm more focused around doing events that are easy for me to get to. I'm looking at trying to get some sort of part-time job over the summer to, to help me afford to live in Boulder. (laughs) (laughs) I I appreciate that. (laughs) Yep. Um, so that might hinder some things. Uh, I want to get on the road, not so much because I enjoy road racing, but because I think that's the, the biggest thing I can do to improve my cross riding. And so some crits, some road racing, um, I'd say the events that are on my radar right now is I want to do really well at the Epic rides. Isn't running the grand junction off-road this year, but the, the city of grand junction is basically doing the same event. Uh, and that's got a lot of prize money and that is the weekend I graduate from college. So it would be rather, rather fun to put a bow tie on my time at grand junction with a really nice ride there. It'd be symbolic yeah. to me, I think. Because I'm, I moved from Washington and I moved to the desert and I was like, how the heck do I ride these trails? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and so if I could ride well, it's a, it's a technical course. There's, there's definitely a lot of climbing and stuff, but it's a, it's a hard course. And so it'd be fun to, to show what I've learned in four years there. And then I'll do mountain bike nationals. I guess I'll be a U23 then, so I should probably try and get a decent result there, even though, like I've kind of described earlier, it's not, it's certainly not my cup of tea. Grinding up fire roads at 10,000 feet is not what I find fun, (laughs) but it is what we got to do for nationals this year, so... We were having that conversation earlier uh, today with someone else where I was like, eventually that we need nationals somewhere other than Winter Park again yeah yep. <laughs> need some new scenery <laughs> uh so so next next year going into the season i, I think it's it's kind of interesting for north american athletes where you'll be an elite but it's not like it's not like you're a rookie in the elite ranks i mean you've been racing with uh, the elite field at least in the u.s all all year round were you were any of the did you jump into any of the elite races when you were in Europe or were they all U23s? We did 
Zolder, and that went horribly for me. Um, I think Wout lapped me in about four or five, like five laps in like a nine lap race. You had one of the Wout races. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I was just was not firing well. I think whatever doping control for some reason at Dendermont the day before was like, we're going to test all the North Americans. Like I was in there with like a bunch of Canadians and like, I got like stranded at doping control with like no recovery shake and then like no cool down. I think I like left doping control. It was like snowing and I just like rode back to the van as fast as possible. And then like I got there and Grant was like, you want to cool down? I was like, I'm freezing. I want to get in the van and go home with like a sandwich and some food. Um, so yeah, not ideal, but then we did Holst and that was, you asked me earlier, like what some of the highlights were that weren't obvious. And I've, I've posted about it on social media and talked about it in like other interviews, but that was one of the proudest races I've had, um, almost ever, if not for sure this season, that was just, yeah, to not like it's all about comparing to North Americans there, but to run North American until the last lap when Curtis got around me and to fight top, I was, the group was going for 25th. I, I got dead last in the group, but I was fighting for 25th as a U23 in an elite world cup. And I was, I was really stoked on that. I just, I don't know what, what it was about that course. Especially since it's, you know, you talk about, did you, did you think that your start in that race effect? I can't remember. I was, my Holst experience was I, I flew in the night before, got off the plane in Brussels, drove to Holst and then like shot that race and just like in a daze. So I don't remember much about it. Uh, but that was, that was a tough start because you had that bottleneck, you know, Mm -hmm. right after where the, the planks would be like after that. So were you able to get ahead of that? I was able to minimize the bottle. I don't bottleneck. I was in it and I probably came out about where I came into it. But I would say, uh, yeah, I had a good start. Uh, I'll get, I'll give you all my, all my starting tips. I watched the elite women go and I noticed that it's kind of like a double apex corner off that, that whole straightaway. And there was just a little, little gap on the inside in the women's field. And so I was like, well, I'll line up on the left and maybe that same gap will appear and sure enough it did and i just like you can see me on the the thing i think we watched it afterwards and grant was pointing out he's like oh yeah there's scott like just squeezing past the post but like if if you shot the gap and just squeeze through and so i was definitely able to make up some positions and yeah i just ended up in a, a solid group nice that's cool that that was a fun that, i mean i don't know it, it was it looked like a fun course to be on i mean those those descents and stuff look 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 tough yeah i mean it, it always helps when you do well in a course, but that might take the cake for a favorite course. Like it, it was a fun course and, and it's balanced. I think, um, it, maybe it doesn't have any huge, like sustained open sections. It doesn't have like a, a Zolder straightaway, but I don't really like those. So maybe that's why I like it, but I think it's a good balance of technical and power. So back to North America, you know, we just got the schedule released for, the next season what are your expectations 
mean, you know, you're, you, you know, all of the players out there, you know, how you can compete. You, you know, granted a, a race that didn't have everybody there, but you, you won in a major Taylor, um, you know, to good results there, you know, great results the rest of the season. So what are your, what are your expectations for, for this first year in the elites? Yeah, I, the goals I've come up with so far would be a, a top 20 in a world cup. So probably targeting those U S rounds, but I mean, I think if I, I make some steps, you know, on the right day, a top 20 in Europe is, is not out of the question on the right course and the right day. And then I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit torn between saying top five or podium at nationals, but I think I'm just going to say podium. Like you might as well go for it. I think, I don't know if I can quite be on that. I think Eric and Curtis have showed that they've, they're on a, a, a step above everyone else. And with Gage stepping aside, I, I kind of think it opens that, that third spot on the podium. And I don't know. Logan Owen seems to be posting on Instagram about stuff. So I, I don't know if he's coming back. You don't know what level <laughs> he's going to be at, but I could see trying to slide in on that third slot or I don't know what Connecticut. It's probably snowy. So maybe not one of my ideal muddy days, but you never know. That's, that's what makes it bike racing. Yeah, for sure. I, looking even farther out from there, you know, assuming that you, you, you stick with this, which it seems like it's something you want to do. What do you, what's your take on North Americans in Europe? I mean, have you thought about that at all? Is it something that you would want to spend an extended time and try to race in Europe? Or do you think it's more sort of that hybrid that we see most people doing where they go over for a trip or two? I mean, what's your, what's your feeling on where, where cyclocross should be raced, at least for you? Yeah, that's, um, the, but these last two questions have been on my mind a lot recently, actually. Um, cause a little backstory, I, it, it is now a plan to do this, but if you would have asked me in for sure, September, maybe October, I kind of thought I was going to get my engineering degree here in May and like race for fun, May, maybe try and race elite, but I don't know. It's yeah, this year, this year changed a lot in my, in my mind of thinking about going for it. So the, basically what I've talked about or what I've come up with in my head is I think I should move to Boulder for a year or two because I see, I see reasonable gains that I can make by going there, um, for a couple of years. I think I can progress in the States and obviously plans evolve and change, but I think in say two years at Boulder, if I race some road and I'm in that community that they have there of awesome cross racers the the weekly workouts that grant puts together i think maybe i can graduate from that and that the next logical step for me if i want to find my absolute maximum would be to move to to belgium or the netherlands um that's that's several years down the road and i think uh the way i've put it because i i had a conversation with uh jamie one of the mechanics at usac um I'm willing to go all in, but I think I need something to go all in on. Like mm -hmm. I need to like move to Europe and like have a team that's going to support me. Like, I don't know. There's no reason to move to Europe to just like be there and what privateer life or something. I guess 
some people are about it, but I don't know. I'm not really about the whole privateer thing. I, I kind of tried that when I was like that Tacoma year, when I was like the whole fast project thing, that was like me trying to put some stuff together. And then Jim Brown pulling a few strings that he had. And it was not ideal. It was me and my dad in the pits. And I worked part-time over the summer to, to make up the money that I couldn't find. Um, so yeah, that's, but that's what I would like to do. But I think the the biggest thing is, yeah, the support. Yeah. And, and that's such a huge, that's a, such a huge part of it. And that's a, that's such a huge advantage that people who live there and have that support have over, you know, you're already starting in a hole when you're yeah. coming from the U S and then trying to figure out, you know, where you're going to live and where you're going to eat and where you're going to do your laundry and all that kind of stuff, which is stuff that nobody else you're racing against has to do. So I, 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 I completely get that. And I hope that, you know, we get to a point where more opportunities exist for people like yourself who, who want to do that. I mean, I think that's, this, this is a good story to hear. Cause I think this gets people fired up about wanting to try to make this happen for, for yeah. people in your position, you know, and it'd be cool if it, if it was, if there were other people there that were of, of equal mind, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, coming up near an hour. Here's my last question for you. Is the mullet sticking around? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's going to, going to go pretty soon. Um, I definitely think it's got to go before graduation because I got, okay. I, I could, I could potentially get a season of collegiate road out of it. I might have to consult the coaches on that one, see what they think. <laughs> um, but I think, it, I think it should go for graduation because I'm, I'm going to be pretty stoked to have this engineering degree. This thing's been, it's been freaking hard. Uh, it's been a lot of rough, rough days with it. Um, I'm glad I'm going to have it. It's been good. Um, what, uh, what, what, what type of engineering? Uh, mechanical engineering. Yep. That's amazing. And it's amazing. It's, it's, you know, you know, it's something that's not going away. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's not going away. It gives me the freedom to, to go work part-time this summer to live in Boulder and raise my bike in the fall <laughs> yeah well i mean it, and it, just to just to get back to the hair here you know it's something that can always come back for the cross season i mean you, exactly. you don't you don't want that you don't want to like sap all the power from it you know mm-hmm. when it doesn't matter so it's it's good to good to save that for the right time or this i'll give you i'll give you a little little other nugget i was thinking i was contemplating some jeff bush sideburns for next year nice instead oh, of yeah. the mullet I don't yeah. know. Maybe, little maybe Joe Dirt to, look. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. Definitely something to consider. Yeah. So may, honestly, probably one of the two. We'll see. Okay. Good. It look they always it look it looks great with a bike helmet. I mean that's the mm-hmm. one thing. You know, it's yep. it's a good look. Awesome. Well, Scott, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to, to to chat today. It was it was good to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? 
When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away, and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds. But we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. Criterium Nation. 